Well, friends, this fall, our sermon series has been on what disciples do. Yes, what and in whom we believe, that's important, but so is how and that we practice our faith with integrity and intentionality. And answering Jesus' call to follow me means that we are challenged to live in a manner that is countercultural. We have to live differently than the world so that the world will know that is not us, but Christ. During this sermon series, we have used the tagline, and it's on a big banner outside, discipleship, let's do this. That as disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, let's be generous, let's take our faith seriously, let's stop messing around with it, y'all. Either we're going to be in or we're going to be out. Either we're going to do or we ain't, okay? Let's be real. Let's, let's resist greed, Amen. Let's share our faith. Let's tell others about Jesus some kind of way, whether with words or with how we live, how we love them, how we pray. Let's share our faith. Let's pass on a vital faith, right? We we talked about Timothy and Paul, where Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, something's going wrong with you. You got to blow on your faith. You got to rekindle the flame. We mustn't let the flame of our faith die down. We got to always keep fanning it up. And on last Sunday, on Laity Sunday, Lynn talked about let's be near. Let's be in community with those Christ are trying to reach. Proximate, amen? You can't reach people with, with, a, with a long stick. Like, we don't want to get too close to you. But in the case of the parable we have read today, perhaps we should say, let's not do this. Let's serve, but let's not serve this way. Let's pray, but let's not pray this way, Right? Let's not judge. Let's not be dismissive of others. Let's not compare ourselves to others. Let's not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Let's not center our prayers and our religiosity on what we have done, but on what God has done and does for us. In a word, right? Let's not be like the Pharisee, right? Isn't that the message that jumps right out at us? To be more like the tax collector? A little easier said than done. But y'all, the Pharisee is right when he says that he's not like the tax collector. He isn't. Tax collectors were despised because they were the beneficiaries and stakeholders in a corrupt system of taxation that exploited the poor. No doubt this tax collector was wealthy. And and he had become wealthy by collaborating with Israel's oppressors and occupiers. So he's right. He's not like the tax collector. It is clear by what he prays that as a Pharisee, he has lived right. He's trying to do things right. He has lived blameless in accordance with the law of Israel. And remember, Jesus said he came to fulfill the law, not destroy it. 
I mean, aren't we called? Aren't we supposed to pray? Even Jesus said some things only by fasting and praying, right? Aren't we called to tithe, to give out of our abundance? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. Give and it shall be given unto you. Aren't we supposed to give? Where would the work of the church be without those who faithfully give their tithes and offerings? So the Pharisee is in the holy place, but not to worship God. Not to seek God, but apparently he's there to remind God how good he is, right? How righteous he is. How successful he is at being faithful. How good he is at following the rules of doing what is expected and asked of him. He is in the holy place and the content of his prayers is a a recounting of his spiritual accomplishments. And thanking God. Thanking God that when he compares himself, himself to others to those around him, that he is not like them. Thanks be to God. I mean, he's not like, you know, obvious sinners. Some people, you know, you think something going on with you over there. I don't know what it is. It ain't obvious, okay? Some people, you know, who are morally suspect. You know, there's something ain't right. Reprobates, right? We would never pray such a prayer, would we? But tell the truth. How many times have we compared ourselves to others? We have said, well, I'm I'm, I'm bad, but I ain't that bad. Huh? I got my problems, but ooh, child, you ought to see something. I've got my challenges. I've got my issues. But at least I'm not like fill in the blank. If we tell the truth, we do it all the time. We compare ourselves, our lives, our religiosity to others. And comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of perspective. You mean to tell me you have never, ever, ever thanked God that you, your family, or your children are not like other people? Child, hmm, I'm glad that's not me. Really? Many of us take pride in how we have lived our lives, right? We trust in our ability to do things and to do things right all the time. And we judge others who do not measure up to our moral standard or what society expects. What do you really think when you stop at that stoplight and somebody's holding up a sign? What do you really think about that? The first stop. We feel justified. When we do things, when we do what's right, right? When we give to the church, ta-da, 
When we engage in appropriate religious activities, when we, we serve on the right committees, da 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 And sometimes we think we're entitled to serve on some of the best committees. We feel justified when we behave in a responsible manner. See, I manage all my finances. I don't know what's wrong with filling the bank. Them. <laughs> we all have them. I mean, if we're doing things right, it's hard not to feel a little entitled. And dare we say, worthy. And surely deserving of just a little pat on the back. Maybe even from God. And at the very least, social approval and acceptance. At the intro, Jesus tells this parable to some who trusted in themselves, who trusted in their own abilities, in their own doing, and who regarded others with contempt. And the truth is, we can and so easily do that. <coughs> we compare ourselves to others who may be less successful in life and in the life of faith. Y'all don't make a mistake in the church. Oh, Lord, we, we, we will never let you forget. We will help you to remember, amen? <laughs> it may be 10 years ago. Child, you remember when you did such and such? And yet, all those persons are no less beloved of God. God's love is not about our doing, but God's being. It's who God is. Let's face it, we are quick to judge and to make assumptions. One commentator points out that this story calls out this sin of ours, this tendency of ours, this sin of dismissal, the sin of appraisal and assessment. <coughs> My mother would say something like, well, when did God go on vacation? And leave us in charge. When did God give us the keys to the kingdom and say, we had a right, we get to determine who's in and who's out with God? Who's going to make it to heaven based on whatever standard? I, we were, I was brought up to, to understand that we don't have a heaven or hell to put anybody in or out of. And yet we will so quickly speak of that, that other people are wrong. We do this kind of assessment before compassion, our all-too-quick evaluation and verdict of whether or not we deem another one meets the expectations that we have set out. Right? Because Jesus is very clear. You should love the Lord God with, your, with everything you got, and you love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. That's where you begin, and that's pretty doggone hard to do. But we have all these other lists and criteria. We size up the other with the assumption that our faith, our religiosity, the way we do things, well, even our denominational, even our theological understanding, that who we are and how we are is better than you. No one wants to be judged. 
Do you like it? No one wants to be judged, much less judged unworthy, not good enough, less than, or even needy. Can you imagine what it must be like for someone to be accustomed to being judged? So much so that they may even judge themselves as not good as when they compare themselves to others. Do you think that's what God wants and wills for them and their soul? But in spite of all of his doing, the truth of the matter is that the Pharisee could never, can never do enough. He never do enough. He can never be good enough. He will eventually fall. He will eventually fail. He will sometime not accomplish, not be as successful. We can't be perfect. We can't be faithful and get it right all the time. To be as faithful as we want to be. We're going to mess up. We're going to make a mess. We're not perfect. Whether we want to admit it, we are all sinners and are always in need of God's mercy. That Him says, I need thee all, I need thee every hour. Every hour. Not just on Sunday. Every hour, I need thee. We're always in need of God's mercy because there is always more we could have done. You can do it till you think you got it, but there's always more you could have done. We can never achieve or do enough, much less always be and do things right. The Pharisee trusted too much in himself and in his abilities, and at no time did he express or even recognize that he was in need of God's mercy. And mercy is all that the tax collector, who was neither who neither repented nor vowed to make restitution. He doesn't do it, say any of that. He's not Zacchaeus. This, but mercy is all that he asked for. He's standing in the very back of the holy place. He can't even look up to heaven. And I like how the message says he's got his head in his hands. Asking God, God, in your mercy, do not judge me based on what I've done. God, in your mercy, do not judge me. On what I have failed to do, God, in your mercy, don't judge me in how I'm living. He knows that he is a sinner. He says it. Have mercy on me, a sinner. He is aware of his own guilt. He is aware of his own limitation. He is completely vulnerable before God. He stands before God without excuse. Now, see, God, I was going to do that. But see, what happened was, you see, God, you see, it, it ain't all on me, God. See, I wanted this other job, but the job that was available was to be a tax collector. See, God, it's not my fault. You know how she is. She, get, she always says the wrong thing, and yeah, I go off. Huh? Yeah, we make excuses in our prayers. 
He stands there without a single claim. He's not saying, well, God, you remember that time I did such and such? We want to remind God as if God was not there when we did whatever, good, bad, or indifferent. The, 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 I'm not sure this is of God. This joke that I you'd often tell just came to mind. Okay? I'm not sure I should tell it. I may have to tell it later. It's a good one, too. <laughs> People laugh when I tell this joke. <laughs> Y'all, Janae and Brother James, they're over there like, go tell it, Pastor. Go tell it. Go tell it. Huh? But we think that one thing we do ought to excuse he doesn't make any claim of his own goodness. None. There's no special pleading, and there's no bargaining with God. You know how we like to bargain with God? God, I promise, if you, 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 you bless me now, you, get, you show your mercy, then next time, no bargaining. Just seeking mercy. His prayer is that God judge him on the basis of who God is. God, now, now on who God is. He's standing there knowing that God is a compassionate, loving, and merciful, merciful Father who will judge him not on what he's doing, but on who God is. Where we get off judging other people? God, God is, is not going to do that. The, the tax collector is saying, I am nothing without you. I have no hope without you. I have no righteousness of my own. Everything I got, everything I am, God, I'm just, I got to lay it all before you. And Jesus tells us he went home justified. He did, not the Pharisee, not the one that everybody, when looking at them, just behaved, he's the righteous one, right? But he went home justified before God. Because justification comes through God's reaching out to, in mercy to helpless sinners. We cannot help ourselves out of the mess we're in. We can. We think we can by doing it all right. Until we can't do it. If you think you can help yourself, you go right ahead. Because I'm here to tell you, you're going to hit a wall. The Pharisee thought he had nothing to confess. That he was in good standing with God. Oh, you never know. People say, oh yeah, me and God are good, child. Okay. But he needed to consider the state of his own heart. Do you consider, do you consider the state of your own heart? I remember that song by Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. Sometimes I just want to pass out a mirror. Everybody get a mirror when you come to church. Just look at yourself and not how pretty you are. Amen. But to examine your life and your heart. How easy, matter of fact, how human it is to look on some with contempt when they don't conform to our or some expected standard of behavior, especially when it comes to their religious practices. We judge the people who don't even come back to church, don't we? Come on. 
do it. They can go every place else. I say it. I'm just, hey, I'm, I'm for real. What does Jesus say? Judge, and he won't be judged. Amen? Are you going to see that speck in the eye of your brother and sister a football field away? But can't see the plank in our own eyes. There he was in the temple of all places. In the holy place. The Bethel place. The place set aside. The place, the one place you ought to be able to go. There he was in the temple, despising those whom God loves rather, rather than having a deep regard for them, a deep regard. Seeing them as God sees them with boundless compassion. Centering his prayer on himself and not on the goodness and the righteousness, the mercy and love of God. I have a, a clergy sister, and sometimes in our prayer time, where she says, you know, we just need to love on God. In our prayers, just thank God for being God. And people say, and God all by himself. Thank God for his goodness and mercy. Thank God for his grace. If you spent five minutes, a minute, just thanking God in your prayer time, just for being God, just centering on God and not on them, not on us. Think about the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when he taught them to pray. Our Father, it is a God-centered prayer. Our prayer is God-centric or us-centric. What we want, what we think we need, as if God don't know what we need. What's her name? She sings that song. Because of who you are, I give you glory. Because of who you are, I give you praise. Because of who you are, I will lift my voice and sing. Lord, I worship you. Because of who you are, we ought to just worship God for just being God. Just what would it look like to come to church and say, we're just going to worship God. We're just going to bless God. We're just going to magnify God's name. We're just going to lift up the name of Jesus. We're just going to bless the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's all we have come to do. Not to parade our goodness. Not to parade what we got. We have come just to bless the Lord. Amen. Just to love on God. Amen. I don't care if we came for 15 minutes. People just ran around the church and just wanted to praise God. Amen. Just to bless God. Thanking God for his presence all these many years. When you think, that, when you think of the goodness of God and all that God has done for us, that ought, everybody ought to break out in praise. Boom. Everybody ought to break out in praise. You shouldn't be able to get through half of last year before, uh, before you just get, go erupt in the praise. Just to love on God. 
In prayer and in practice, we need to turn our attention to God and to a God who welcomes all. God, God, does, God is indiscriminate. God loves everybody. 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 It's the people we don't like. The people we think ain't holy, the people we think are sinners, the problem is that we are sinners too, amen? It's not that our doing doesn't matter. I don't want us to think that. It's that our trust in God and God's mercy should matter more. We need to put all of our trust, not some, all of our trust, in God rather than in our abilities, because your ability might be taken away from you. You never know. And when that happens, you want to have a good grounding of grace and understanding. We need to always remember just how seductive, just how easy it is to trust in ourselves that we rely on our abilities. I remember I, was, I went to seminary, and it was really kind of scary for me. I mean, I didn't mind going to seminary. I did, you know, I just said, you know, God, I didn't need a burning bush. But if God could have given me a smoking shrub, you know, something that said walk this way. Because I had to risk everything because I was accustomed to being in control. I was one of those, I did it right, you know. I went to undergraduate, I did, I did all that, and you know how they said you should have six to nine months of your income? I really did, I was a good saver, I put things aside, and then I had to step out on nothing, like, oh my gosh. But as my pastor told me, he said, Sheila, you can't lead other people to trust if you're not, okay? When you're really trusting in your bank account, Sheila, when you're really trusting in your ability to save, when you're really trusting in your job so that you can put it away, when you're really trusting, you and not God. Right? It's just so easy to trust in ourselves. It's seductive. It's easy to, tr to trust in our own righteousness. It's easy to regard other people with contempt. And I'm you saying, well, oh my God, Pastor, that's a little harsh, the word contempt. But if we think we're better and they're not doing it right, that's contempt, that's disregard. That's contempt. And your discipleship is this incredible balancing act. We, we, we should do. We should, and we should love doing. But our doing can't be about us. But our doing cannot be about, we think somehow we're getting good in with God. Or we're better with God than other people. God likes everybody, but God likes me a little bit more. Right? God's going to bless me because I'm doing. No, God's going to bless whom God wants to. Does God make the sun to shine on the righteous and unrighteous? Because they all belong to God. God didn't ask our approval <laughs> to bless somebody else, okay? And one of the things that we really need to, 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 to engage in and ask God to help us is with humility. How does the song go? Lord, it's hard to be humble. When you're perfect in every way. You should go back and read the, that song by Mac Davis. He is clear like, I'd have a girlfriend, but everybody might be looking at me, so, you know, I might as well let it go. It's hard to be humble. 
But we need humility to know the truth about ourselves. To acknowledge our faults and failures. And we need help, holy help in that. We need to be in community. But y'all, you're going to try and tell somebody in love. Amen. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Because yeah? we won't receive. Who do they think they are? Maybe they're trying to love on you. We need to relinquish our false impressions of ourselves and of others. We are always aware of other people's stuff, but not very aware of ours. We need to always be constantly aware of our need of God's grace and mercy, not a one-time event, but for the rest of our lives, for every day, every hour. I need the, I want you this week to sing that song, I need the every hour, and every hour, just what it means to center yourself on your need of God and asking God for his grace and mercy. This humility. And folks, you know what I really wanted to do? And I, I, I may have, I think I mentioned this to the worship planning team. I wanted a big banner out in front of the church that said, welcome to the no judgment zone. I know, I know, I know. I know that's the thing for Planet Fitness, okay? But what would it look like for people to know that here, in this place, this holy place, there's no judgment. That we all know ourselves as sinners. We, we're, we think we're going to be like the tax collector. Okay, well, the tax collector is standing in the place saying, I am a sinner. A pastor was trying to communicate this to his congregation and <clears throat> after church that Sunday. Um, he put up on the marquee, you know, with the little letters that said, sinners worship here. Nobody came the next Sunday. <laughs> He's like, oh my God, what? Oh, well, the sinners need to go, but I'm going to stay away. <laughs> oh, that we might have the trust in God, not our concern about these other people. Love them. We shouldn't be concerned about them. That we should be able to stand and be able to tell the truth of who we are and what we've done. Because your judgment, part of my English, don't mean nothing to me. Because I lay myself before God who will only offer me compassion and mercy. Oh, that we might witness in such a way to tell the truth. A couple of months or so back, I showed the video of those cardboard testimonies where people put drug addict and then they flipped over delivered. Adulterer saved. They stood in front of everybody and said, oh yeah, this was my sin, what was yours? But thanks be the grace of God. Oh, that God's holy place, God's people, might be a people where they can tell the truth. 
of God's grace and mercy so that others might know that this is the real no judgment zone. Amen? Amen. Amen.